to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. We are moving along into the final few laps of our series, series four, uh, season four, which is the Reluctant Entrepreneur. It has been our flavor of starting a business, of business ship, entrepreneurship. I confuse all the terms. Don't, you know, what am I talking about? Normally, this is a show about personal and professional development, leadership, all from a coach's point of view. And with me in the virtual studio is Master Certified Coach, Diane Ideas. Here we are again. I understand we're going to be talking about work-life balance today. Yeah. I figure, you know, as I listen to the last episodes and, you know, as people embark on whether the entrepreneur life is right for them or not, that balance and is there balance? Is that a thing? What does that even look like to have a life while you have a business is a relevant topic. I think it's a really relevant topic as well. I usually see this and we, we've kind of touched upon this, I would say indirectly the past few episodes, this idea, time management, you know, hustle culture, hustle mentality, being busy. We obviously y'all heard the joke last time. So that, that's a, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> so what are we actually going to be diving into today? Because I have a few thoughts I'd be willing to share on work-life balance. I'm interested to hear kind of what you are imagining that you wanted to kind of discuss for our reluctant entrepreneurs. Well, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts if you're game to start. So you're going to pass the mic back to I me. I am going to pass, unless you want me to keep it. No, let's do this. Let's do this. So here's, here's the thing is that work-life balance, whenever someone brings this up for my clients and coaching, it, it is like this achievable state right? If you think of a seesaw and then somehow work-life balance is that it's, it's there, it's right around the corner. If only I just dot, dot, dot. And that somehow it's this nirvana state. And that once you reach it, it's it. You've, you've achieved work-life balance. I'm like, who, who has done that? Yeah. Who, who is there? Like, guess what? Today's Monday and I've cracked it. I've achieved work-life balance (laughs) and I'm, I'm balanced. I'm good. It's smooth sailing from here on out. Business is great. Sales are up. And here we go. I'm ready yeah. for the rest of my life just to and take hold. off like an airplane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and it's just, it's so bonkers that we're all trying to work for this like intangible state that is clearly not permanent. But the way that most of, and myself included, I'm very guilty of this as well, of trying to achieve this balance, this perfect harmony, nirvana business state called work-life balance. And that once I get there, everything's going to fall into place. Everything's cool after that. And I just think it's very elucidatory. But yet it is such a common topic. And there are many businesses and many industries that don't have what we would consider, quote unquote, work-life balance, right? If you think of a medical field, if you think of the service industry, right? When you are working those jobs, you CPAs are- CPAs and tax season. CPL. <laughs> Any of those jobs, they don't, you're on, right? You're on the whole time that you're working. And in medical field, usually those shifts are 12 hours long. And if you're in the service industry, you were kind of on your feet the whole time you were working here. But for those of us that have like office type works or um, professional services, you know, what does that look like for us? Right now, it's basically now that we're all remote, it's essentially back to back to back meetings all day every day. So that's kind of where I wanted to start because I believe that most people think of it about this permanent state that is the answer to all their problems are constantly working towards it. And just once they achieve it, then everything goes well. And I believe that for the reluctant entrepreneur, 
that there is it could be a two handed weapon, which is one. They're trying to achieve this idea of balance as something to procrastinate and put off the next day. I'm working really hard today so I can achieve that work life balance. And then once the sales coming in, once I start hiring a few hands, you know, everything's going to be much better. Instead of realizing that once you are a leader and start employing, start employing people, it gets actually more difficult, more complex. Or the other way is that it becomes a shield to not put too much effort in. It actually is a protection method, right? Ooh, I, you know, I really, really got to work on me, really got to hold that work life balance so that they're constantly not giving 100% as a way to protect themselves from failure as a way to protect themselves from being overcommitted, overextended, because if you put everything you got in there and it doesn't work out, whose fault is that? <laughs> That's a so, lot there for you. <laughs> those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, once, once I said to my mom, you know, I'm just trying to get all my ducks in a row. And she looked at me and she said, do you think they're going to stay in a row? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm just trying to make sure I know where my ducks are, right? <laughs> like that's, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. So I think the concept of perfection and that work-life balance is a point that doesn't move is not realistic. And so I think, I think in order to achieve or attain that, we need to kind of let that go. I also think as you think about actually balancing if you think about a gymnast on a balance beam, that balance beam may or may not move. But when you think about balancing in water or if you have a balance board, it's a constant motion. Like the waves are constantly in motion. Or if, if you're, um, what is it? Seven brides for seven brothers. If you're log rolling, right? if you're, if you're doing a balancing <laughs> activity, there's motion involved. So I think that that's one of the things that we need to look at is you know, are you happy with the concentration? So there are some times where you have a busy season. Um, there may be a lull. Are you, do those busy seasons, do those lulls feel sustainable for you? Um, you know, there are some people who work-life balance for them is logging off and not logging in. There are some people who are like, how can I last this week of vacation on my family? No, no, please send me the reports that you need reviewed, etc. So I see it more as a it's a moving point, it changes over time. But I think we need to look holistically, if work is the only thing, which is common for, I mean, I think that's common for a lot of people for work to be the main thing. Um, but I think also for entrepreneurs who are trying to establish themselves, that it can be prevalent and kind of take over. But it's kind of like investing all of your money in one company or one stock, you there's risk associated with that. There's rewards and there's risk. So the way I look at it is, you know, it can be easy to invest more in work because we get paid for being successful at work. However, that's only one factor. So having goals or interests outside of work so we can be more well-rounded, I think is important. So um, I know people often reject the idea of work-life balance is some unattainable goal. So my sense is, is that looking at how much you work and how much you're doing other things, are you happy with where you're spending your time and do you want to make any changes? This reminds me of a very powerful coaching exercise, kind of a coaching one-on-one -on -one thing, the life wheel, right? Where you have someone kind of, you know, draw a circle and then you slice it into pizza slices. And, you know, you have different areas of your life, which is 
professional, you have a career, you have relationship and spiritual and so on and so forth. And you, you have a bunch of categories in there. Um, and you have, this is usually a great first kind of exercise with your clients. You have them rate each of these areas in their life on a scale of one to 10. And the reason why I bring this up is because two things kind of arise. One, you always know that rarely does anyone ever say I'm tens across the board. Everything's good. It's always that there is something is usually better than others. And then the second observation is, is that okay? Is the goal here to have perfect semblance where you're putting eights, nines and tens in every single section of your life? One of the common observations for several people is that, no, if I focus on one area of my life, usually something else takes a hit. Right. So if you are someone that is very much into um, sports like uh, cycling or long distance running or something like that, ask those people like they're like, oh, yeah, I do like, you know, I do two, two hours of running like every day. And they go, how do you do that? They're like, oh, my house is a mess. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, The dishes haven't been done. I'm I'm all all for paper plates. Right. So that. If you're focusing on one area, such as getting a business off the ground, something else in your life is going to have to, if you think of the mixing board of your life, something else is going to have to suffer in order to push this through. But I do like the idea of harmony and balance. Yeah. And I I think it's also, I would add intention to that because, and then one of the advantages of, you know, life coaches use a life wheel or focus wheel, success wheel, you know, you can use it in any kind of coaching. But one of the advantages I have, um, I had a planner that every month you would do an end of month reflection and it had one of those wheels in it. And the thing about that is you can track it over time to say, okay, this category is consistently low over time. You know, as I look at it over a six month period, I'm okay. Am I okay with that? Or do I want to move that? Or, you know, if these categories are always high, you know, do you want to make changes? So I, I think it's just like work-life balance is, is, you know, not necessarily a point in time, you know, you're maybe going to feel more balanced when you're on vacation, or you're maybe going to feel more fulfilled at certain times in work. It's it's really about kind of personal choice. I think the hard thing is, though, is a lot of times people feel like they don't have a choice. Well, my family needs me, and work needs me, and I don't have any choices. And then we get into like agency and ownership and, you know, how quality of life. But from a balance perspective, it's just looking at, you know, there's times potentially in our careers or in our entrepreneurship where it makes sense to invest more. Um, I know, for example, that December and January are a very busy season for Hawthorne Union. And because I know that, that's not, that's a time where it's not necessarily a time where I'm going to take vacation, <laughs> which even though December is a time where a lot of people take vacation. So knowing that going in, how do I make changes or modify or set expectations with clients in order to accommodate that? So I don't feel like I'm just working all the time. So I think some of it is looking at it's awareness. Like, where are you? Do you like where you are? What changes can you make towards where you are? But I will say for myself as an entrepreneur, it's sometimes I'm like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know what having a life and being an entrepreneur is like, this is, this is something that I still you know, I work to not kind of work all the nights and all the weekends. And thankfully, I'm not in a place where I have to do that all the time. But sometimes I don't have the energy after working with people all day to go kind of interact or socialize. Um, And it's interesting as kind of COVID restrictions lift and I'm traveling more, there's like I have fun related to that. And I'm looking at for the first time, 
you know, potentially making a trip this year that isn't work related and it's not somehow kind of work. Um, but that's, that's a shift that I'm able to make because I'm at a different place with my business and more financially stable. Whereas when I was a newer entrepreneur, that was just not, you know, taking a vacation when you don't have any money, like doesn't really feel like a vacation. (laughs) It just feels scary. So I think some of the things too, like when you ask people like, what are your interests or what are your hobbies? Like sometimes they don't know, or sometimes people feel like they should, well, I should do this or I should do that. Um, but I think it comes back to like, are you doing what you want to do? Um, does your life look like how you want it to look at least in this season? And if it doesn't look like what you want it to look like in this season, how long has it been since it looked like what you wanted it to? I mean, to hear that you're taking a vacation just for vacation, that's blasphemy. Right. How right? could I'm you? I'm putting it on my personal credit card. They're going to be like, who is this? <laughs> for leisure? What is this? I do think you bring up an interesting point that most of our reluctant entrepreneurs that are starting out probably don't have the ability or the finances to to do those kind of things. So they just kind of put them out of their mind. But it doesn't mean that they don't need some R&R. So what would you recommend for people that say, well, obviously, I can't take a trip to the Barbados for two weeks because, you know, you're running on fumes. Usually, if you're just starting a business off the ground, you're trying to keep your head above water and meet unless you're a VC backed. But if you were a VC backed, then. I wouldn't be mean to listen to the reluctant entrepreneur. You'd just be a regular entrepreneur. You'd be good. <laughs> so for those of us that are starting out, they're trying to put everything in to getting started. How do they start to find balance? Because most, I'd be remiss if most people go, nope, I've got it. I'm good. Perfectly balanced. Perfect harmony. Yeah. Something that's been helpful for me has been time blocking or calendar blocking, like having certain days that I, tr- I don't schedule meetings. It's happened sometimes, like sometimes that sometimes it gets sacrificed. But one of the things is looking at July, like June has been a very busy month and it continues to be very busy. So looking at July, knowing that, okay, I can take most, the majority of my clients are American. So, you know, 4th of July off. And then I had a meeting that I had to attend on the 5th. And I was like, well, you know, I'd like to take that day off, but, you know, I really need to be in that meeting. Thankfully, they're mostly Americans. And so they moved it. And then, you know, I already didn't have anyone scheduled on the 6th. So there's, there's a possibility I'll end up in jury duty on those days, which, you know, knock on wood, I'm hoping I can have on vacation instead. But at least then it ends up being an extended weekend, hopefully, as opposed to, because, as an entrepreneur, I didn't used to take holidays. Like if someone was going to meet with me on the holiday and if their company wasn't off on that day, well, then it was money that I needed for that month. So, you know, I think starting small, even having a half day or a day that you're not kind of seeing clients or, or working on certain things, there is some, when you think about balance, you know, you have to take your car in for maintenance. You have to give your car fuel um, and, you know, check the tires and all of those things, like even a machine that <laughs> needs maintenance. So I think one of the ways to look at work-life balance is if you aren't doing, if you don't have work-life balance, you're not, you don't have necessarily the preventative measures in place. And so you're more likely to then be broken for repair, right? Like it's like how people oftentimes on vacation will get sick because they finally like put down all the burdens that they're holding. So, you know, one of the things to look at is how are we being proactive with this? What are you putting in place? So um, even 
you know, for example, the first Friday of the month, I have blocked off for admin and strategic planning. So it doesn't mean that I'm not working that day. And if I have recurring clients on that day, I see them. But it also means that no one else can schedule on that calendar unless they go through me directly. So the idea is that I'm looking at what happened in the previous month and wrapping things up and making strategic decisions. Um, that doesn't always happen, <laughs> but it's at least blocked off on my calendar. So it sounds like a very uh, Franklin Covey-esque type of, type of sentiment. Have you ever been too busy, son, to stop for gas? <laughs> well, then you've got to relax as well, right? That kind of thing. Recharge. But I do I do remember when you started implementing the uh, the no meeting diet days. No meeting Those, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was kind of tough, right? It, Wasn't it that is. a little bit difficult because you were normally spread out pretty thin all throughout the week. So how did you even start to implement that? Because I would imagine that some people are saying, oh, that's a great idea, but I just can't do that. People ask if I can meet on that day. Yeah. And they're afraid to move business or move clients around because every client, every interaction, every sale counts. Yeah. And I get that. And I, I think that that's, that's honest. That's just part of it. But what I found is, is that because I spent so much time in client meetings that I wasn't having time for the things that I needed to do outside. And so that was just nights and weekends. And so nobody, no meeting Wednesday. I mean, I have meetings this Wednesday because it's a new client onboarding. And then I have a meeting next Wednesday because it's a client that we only meet once a quarter and it's on Wednesday. So it, it's not perfect. It doesn't always happen. But at the same time, what I found for myself is having no meeting Wednesday and not having anyone expect me at a certain time. Sometimes I do networking meetings and things like that and creating relationships or schedule meetings on that time and day. But for me, it's helpful to have because my calendar is so tightly scheduled. It's helpful for me to have a day that's unscheduled where I can do my other work. Because for example, I don't have no meeting Wednesday this week. I am going to end up working on a number of things behind the scenes in my evenings. So there will be some times where clients are like, I can only make this day. And then I think that then someone has to decide based on your bottom line, based on your work-life balance. But, you know, when, when we set boundaries, because some of work-life balance is a discussion of boundaries. When we set boundaries, at some point, the things that is the reason that you didn't have those boundaries in the first place will rise up and want your attention. But you know, I had a client who said, you know, Wednesday's the best day for me. Or I think Tuesday's the, you know, I had finally had to block off every other Tuesday so that Wednesday didn't just get sacrificed all the time and said, okay, well, Tuesday at this time is best for me. And I said, well, I see clients for recurring meetings on Monday, Thursday, Friday. And he was like, oh, okay, well, then this day is great. So sometimes it's just a matter of countering. Is that really the only day they can make? Um, if there's something like we had a, we had a request this morning that's specifically for, you know, an event on days that have already been set by the company, that's something where, you know, do you want to make an exception? However, when I look at June, I've had a lot of commitments on my Wednesdays. And so my, I've been focused more on work than on life, which is part of why, as I look at July, I want to have a couple more days off because, um, I tend to, I tend to kind of get burnout in the summer. I don't know if it's just because, um, people are on vacation <laughs> or it feels like we should be on vacation. Um, but just watching my own kind of cycles and patterns, um, it's important for me to take steps towards those and try to manage those. So it's not just happening to me. 
I mean, it certainly makes sense for anyone that's in professional development, right? The summer is when people start having their bosses and coworkers take off. So they have sometimes a little bit of leeway to focus on themselves or the goals. The same thing with like Thanksgiving and, and, uh, end of the year with New Year's is that people are having their coworkers take time off. So therefore they have this time to like do their own development or look at that training class. But one of the things that I'm hearing, Diana, is that you're talking about is that it's not so much that you instill this very hard and fast rule. This day is no meeting day. And henceforth, I will keep it sacred. It's more of like what you were saying with the word choices. Instead of I have to meet on Wednesdays, I can I can get to I'm allowed to make a meeting on Wednesday if I want to. But if I also want to focus on admin only, I can do that as well. So it's kind of interesting that your version of the no meeting Wednesday is not really this un, unwaverable day, but that you reserve time to choose your schedule. Yeah. And it's it, to me, it's also at what cost. So for example, I'm not working this Friday. So, you know, it will be more of an intensive week because there's a lot going on. We're onboarding a new client this week. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, Friday is what I call an intentional space day where it doesn't mean I'm not taking, it doesn't mean I'm not working, but that I try not to schedule clients on those days. So for me, that has been a helpful kind of balancing thing. That's not necessarily for some people it's trips. For some people it's adventures. For some people it's, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, I really have some stuff in the closet and in the garage that I really need to go through (laughs) and I'm not motivated to do it, but I thought, well, what if I just spend three hours a month on it? Then a couple months from now, you know, that will have added up and I'll have made a really big difference. Um, it doesn't matter to me, like if I do that all at once or do it here and there, but it's just about kind of creating some action towards that. Now, that's not necessarily work-life balance. It's work, but it's personal work, right? No one is going to pay me to go through the stuff in the garage and like donate it or get rid of it or reorganize it kind of thing. So the flexibility. I could say that, no, I'm not going to have a meeting ever with anyone on Wednesday. And, um, you know, but what would that look like? So, so for me, it's about the cost. What's the cost? If you're so busy with work, you are eating crap food and you don't have time to work out and you haven't seen your friends. What's the cost of that? And what's the cost of that over time? Because there may be so much going on that that's something that you need to do for a short term. Um, but as we look at long term and sustainability, Having, if it's not something that you can do over time, you need to be cautious with it. What do you think about the over-reliance of work-life balance as a shield to prevent or seeing as people use it as a way to not get overly invested or not work too hard? I mean, the other thing that that reminds me of is how I've been critical of the hashtag self-care, right? And that self-care became kind of this thing where basically people were overly indulging and easily in the name of self-care, but in reality, it was just a, a an acceptable label to do what you want. I mean, have you seen that at all? I mean, it's interesting. It sounds like there's some judgment there for you. I don't have a problem with that, but what is what is that bringing up for you? I'm pr- I'm probably being a little judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, does it feel like people are late? Because because to me, it's like, hey, if if at least for America, like for the most part, we're like obsessed with work, and there's so much of an achievement focus. So what I'm hearing is that like if work-life balance is an excuse, but like, so what? Mm-hmm. That is true. So what? I mean, what usually it's, it is? Usually it's, it's, be, it's coming 
it probably is coming from a place of judgment, but where you see people that are starting ventures that are great ideas. And if they actually put the necessary effort, it's easy as an outsider to see those ventures could be successful. And that when people don't put a, uh, the required effort in order to get a business off the ground and then say, well, you know, can't, I can't, I can't work on these things today. Got to have that work-life balance. I got to take a day for me. Right. And I mean, not that's that, free will. That is free will. <laughs> you know? Totally. Maybe, maybe you haven't seen this. So for me personally, when I see people overly using a double-edged sword, like work-life balance, it does become difficult as someone who often supports other people, other businesses to see something that is normally used for good used as an out. Well, I think I mean, I, I hear you and I see the excuse. I think we it's just for me, it doesn't feel like an excuse. Like if that's your reason, if that's your operating like great, you know, so my mom took longer on her doctorate because I was young and it took longer than she had planned but she was also very intentional about wanting to be there and focused on me when I was young. So I don't, I don't think she has any regrets about that. It doesn't, it doesn't match the timeline she thought it was going to match, but she made a different investment in me, which I would argue has paid dividends. So I hear, I hear you seeing, or my, my interpretation of what you're saying is like people making excuses and using work-life balance as an excuse. Um, I guess for me, that doesn't bother me because I just hope that they're actually choosing their life. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're not going to work because of whatever, like, I just hope that you actually are choosing balance and, and making those intentional choices because, you know, we did, you and I did so much in 2020 and in 2021, mm-hmm. I had to slow myself down and be like, what are, what are, what am I racing towards? Like, I'm exhausted. Do I really need to be running towards all these things? So could we have done more or produced more in 2021? It's possible, but might that have burned me out in 2021? And would I not have the same energy for 2022? Yes. So I still feel like that was the right choice. So I guess in the spirit of kind of the the International Coaching Federation, where we look at people being resourceful and whole, if someone's choosing not to make a choice of work, then you know, I'm not saying condoning it as an excuse and sorry, of course there's like yard work going on. Inside. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not condoning if it's like, Oh, that thing I told you I was going to do, I can't do because of work-life balance. Like that's lame. Like, you know, communicate with people and follow up on your commitments. But if it's because you're choosing yourself or your family or interests or your hobbies, you know, go for it. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is a lesson for me to be less judgy, even though, you know, talking about talking about all that, like, trying to purge and get rid of hustle mentality, maybe some of the seeds of that, right? Because if you think about what most entrepreneurship and books talk about is putting in enough effort, maybe that's just the the legs of those type of mentalities still plant in my mind when someone is not doing right and is being judging. So maybe those are things I need to let go. Such as if someone gets their doctorate or raising a kid, I mean, more power to them. Who the hell cares how long it takes? If you cross the finish line, you got more, uh, you got le- letters after your name that I don't got. So more power to you. Seriously. Go mom. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think my, so my perspective on what you're saying though, is if someone, I think maybe some of what you're reacting to is if someone self-sabotages, oh, well, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it because of this, this and this. So it's like, if someone's self-sabotaging or if they're making excuses, that's a different matter. But if legitimately it's, you know, like there's important people in my life who did not finish their college degree because they were taking care of family members. 
to me, that shows a whole different level of commitment than someone who potentially just got a four-year degree but didn't have those familial commitments. Um, that's that's hard because it's not necessarily work-life balance. I think a lot of times when we say work-life balance, we think of vacations or fun or Netflix binges or things <laughs> like that. But at the same time, like for caretakers, for parents, um, you know, for there, there are times where, you know, one of the things I've looked at in my life is this year, I want to look at what would it be like if I put the personal before the professional? I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that looks like. Um, every once in a while, my personal life will rise up and need more attention. And I react to that. But proactively, I haven't necessarily figured that out. Well, I'm, I'm down to take a little learning lesson here. I think, I think you hit it on the head, which is the self-sabotage thing is probably more a line of what I was trying to attend it to think, but yeah, there's a little bit of judgment about people overly using it. But then again, it's like, really, who cares, right? It's, it's everyone else's personal journey. You know, you get invested in either friends or clients or other people that you want to see really successful. And as outsiders, it's very easy to, to cast that judgment. But those are the, again, I think those are the tendrils and maybe some of that toxic kind of mentality that I need to, I need to purge, get rid of. Well, and I don't Thanks even, for the little check there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think too, is that like, you know, if you look at your role as a coach, like obviously you want someone to be the best that they can be and they share their goals and you're all about their goals. And so if they're not achieving them, that's difficult. So I, I don't think, I think the intent is good, but it's also looking at, you know, it's, we had a lot of questions about COVID, you know, is COVID going to mm-hmm. change the way we work? Kind of not maybe a little bit, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a number of companies wanting people to go back in or, you know, there's still the same drive. It's part of what's causing the great resignation. So, you know, the, do we, you know, in whether it's Spain or Italy where there's siestas, or I feel like when I was in Spain, it was a holiday, like, you know, every, every couple days, right. You know, (laughs) and, and, um, or if you look at the, the kind of people in what is it called the blue zones or in the happiest places on earth, they're, they're potentially investing more in their lives outside of work than in the actual work. And I think that there's something that we can examine and potentially learn from that. And it doesn't mean that we'll make a change, but then also looking at is, is the success of your business worth it to you? And if it's your legacy and it's how you measure your worth and your value, maybe it is. But I think part of the thing is just looking at, you know, so much of the entrepreneur, especially in the early years, is how do you kind of lean in and get the thing off the ground? And then if you have employees, how are you feeding people and their families and like keeping it going? Um, but also if we don't stop and take a check to say, Hey, is this sustainable? Is this burning? Is this like, is this burning the fuel that I want it to burn or is it burning clean? I think that's, that's recipe for burnout. So if people are recognizing, right, we have reluctant entrepreneurs that are early in their ventures and they're realizing that if, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite in check and I'm trying to get this on. I've deployed a couple good days. What else can they do to start orientating themselves to a more harmonious state, especially when they're investing a lot to get their business off the ground? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be a big advocate for working with mentors and coaches and resources and community, because I think a lot of that in the early days is normal. But you have to decide, like, how long are you willing (laughs) to do that? (laughs) At what point is the investment not feeling worth it? Um, so I think support's helpful. I think 
doing a reflection and kind of a reflection over time. So when working with a coach at the end of the month, I would put like wins, challenges. Okay, here's what I'm thinking for the next month. You know, and here's what I'm thinking about for the quarter. So doing a process of kind of taking a step back and looking strategically. Um, now it's really noticeable to me when I work nights and weekends, because even though it's not ideal, it's like, well, I used to have to work like this all the time. And now if I work because I want to, that's different for me than if I work because I have to, <laughs> because some things do. Um, so those would be the places that I would start, you know, and I think, I think there's a lot of books and podcasts and resources about this. Um, but I think it's, it's really starts with examining like what's your current state and how's that different from your desired state? And I don't mean to oversimplify. Are there things that are coming up for you when you think about that? No, I mean, the old school I've talked about actually on the podcast, I think two seasons ago, which is the GSD get stuff done method, which was something they employed like with inboxes and how to deal with tons and tons of paper. So before we became in a digital world and one of the biggest things that I that always sticks out to me is in the book and the discussions with the the person that created the, the GSD method was that no, most people don't have any sort of review or check-in process, even just with themselves and just say, Hey, like, how am I actually doing? Unless it's facilitated or prompted by someone else, but it's not a self-driven practice. And so one of the things that they do with a lot of leaders or operational people is to deploy that is to say, Hey, like do either weekly or monthly, just kind of do a review of how you believe things are going and track that over time. And that simple practice alone has is probably one of the things that I believe because it sticks sticks out to me so much that I've employed, try to employ in myself and with clients that has been very beneficial. My my personal issue with work-life balance is overcommitment, mm. is basically taking on a lot. And so not only did I have to deploy that, but I had to actually let other people know what I was working on. I had to externalize my personal ventures for work-life balance in order to create that system of accountability. And I also had to create a, a system for myself. I mean, I use like a little notebook, little go analog baby with a little notebook. And I find a lot of success in that because I would think that something that I was committing to would just take a couple hours. And maybe, maybe it does take a couple hours, but the actual opportunity to have Two hours of uninterrupted time is not always it's not always just right around the corner, whether it's family life or business or clients or meetings or however things are broken up. Two hours of uninterrupted time can actually take several hours to complete in addition to the actual work. So for me, work life balance has become the dual practice of implementing the self review and asking for support. We talked a lot about support on community for other people to help keep me accountable and honest with those things. And so I would, that would be my addition to that recommendation of the self review. Yeah. Great. And I think also, if possible, if when looking at how you spend your time and what your priorities are, is to take the emotions out of it. So, oh, I'm working too much or I'm not seeing my kids enough or, you know, whatever the kind of emotional process is and just look at the actual kind of objective numbers. And I mean, if people don't want to do time tracking, but time tracking is pretty illuminating. <laughs> Even if you just do it for like a week or two, it's pretty illuminating. Um, so looking at like, okay, well here's something I want to invest more time in. How much time does that look like? Or, you know, I've said I've wanted to do this and it's been X amount of time and I haven't had time for that. So taking a look at that goal or whatever. So I think a lot of times people feel so much like shame and guilt 
Um, or if there's someone else making you feel guilty about it or, you know, oh, I'm not getting enough of your attention, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like looking at the actual time and then deciding like, you know, to the mixing board, like what, what levers do you want to move? But you can't just move them all up and have more time, you know? And I, I think that that's an important lesson as well for the entrepreneur. You know, you can, what a Jim Rohn, it's, um, you can make more money, but you can't make more time. That's not exact. Um, but you know, looking at, do you really need to be the one to do it? Like, do you have to shop and cook and clean your house and clean your inbox and, you know, categorize your expenses? Part of the reason I still have time blocked off on my calendar for admin and strategic planning and for QuickBooks, but thankfully that's something that I outsource at this point. So I think looking at, you know, like, how are we, how are you spending your time? How do you want to spend your time? What are your priorities? Um, and then, what makes you tick? Like what makes you happy? Um, I, I absorb fiction. (laughs) Like I really like fiction. And so, you know, I, last night I like picked up a book and read probably about half of it. And yeah, I didn't get as much sleep because I was reading. Um, but I was, there's something about being immersed in fiction that is, it helps with my sustainability. And, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize that until, I used to live in a, I used to live in San Francisco and um at one point I moved and was right next to the office so I didn't have a commute anymore and my sustainability took a hit because the books that I would read on the train I was no longer reading and I didn't realize that that was actually part of my kind of sustainability and disconnect from work mode so um you know sometimes we don't realize that something's part of our work life balance until you take it away but you know pay attention do you have favorites for your work life balance things are good for you do I have favorites on work-life balance? Mm-hmm. Like things you do for yourself? Yeah, I've talked about me implementing bullet journaling. I mean, that was something that I don't, I wouldn't say that I do perfectly, but I don't really need to, is that as someone who is very, very technologically adapted, I actually needed to roll back into a physical notebook uh, in order to feel a little bit more organized. And I find that bullet journaling, I'm not one of those like crazy creative types where I do like watercolor two panel, you know, script calligraphy in there. I use it very perfunctory, but it works really, really well with me. And every now and then I get a little crazy and I throw a highlighter in there. (laughs) And I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed having a physical notebook to rely. I find it for me, it's a little bit easier to keep organized. And that's, that's something that I found because again, I'm doing, I'm a lot, I'm a very, very digital person. A lot of my work is online. I'm a remote worker. I do a lot of my coachings. I would say 90% of them are over zoom, even with people that I'm close to in town just makes things easier. Um, and so having a, a physical notebook to round out a, a very technologically driven environment works very, very well for me. Yeah. And it's nice to have something tangible to touch. So that's my, that's my other best practices in addition to the review well, that I'm throwing out there. Yeah. I'm throwing out there, homie. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for me, one of my main ones is just how much I exercise and having that be a part of my routine and, uh, you know, doing that first thing. <laughs> if it doesn't happen first thing, it usually doesn't happen. And then I like to have, I like to go visit people uh, a lot of the people I love are not where I live. And so COVID put a put a real hamper on that. <laughs> but it is um, as the world's opening up again and, and it's safer for travel, um, you know, just having having those things to look forward to, even if it's it's farther out um, and it doesn't doesn't have to involve plane travel, you know, obviously kind of seeing people socially and things like that. Um, but for me, that's been helpful. Awesome. OK, well, I think we've got a good spread of considerations 
couple tools we threw out there to try. So let's start wrapping it up. Diana, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so at Per Love, a couple episodes ago, the Halls of LinkedIn or HawthorneUnion.com. Check out our resource page if you haven't. Um, there's a lot of tools and tips and tricks because, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about today is... Um, we can't, well, we can't we create more time, but we can be more efficient with our time. So there may be things that you find helpful on there. Excellent. I am also found on the halls of LinkedIn. We will have links to all the great stuff we referenced. We referenced several things today in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in and until next time.